Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for downloading this episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. If you are new to the show and hearing me speak for the first time, welcome. And if you've only been with us for a little bit, then let me tell you that the network we're on, Maximum Fun, is listener-supported. And at the end of March, starting March 18th, we've got Max Fun Drive coming up. That is a chance for you to directly support this show. So I wanted to put that out there. It's coming up. But for now, please enjoy this live episode of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Producer Ken Plume, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, How many uh, of you, if he hasn't asked this already, are familiar with We Got This? So is there anyone who is not familiar with We Got This? So a few people. So We Got This is a show hosted by Hal Leveland and Mark Agliardi. And the show decides once and for all a final decision on topics like, should you put ketchup on a hot dog? The answer was no. Uh, toilet paper over or under. Uh, what is the best Star Trek film? Any debate that you can possibly consider, they have rendered a judgment or will render judgment on. So you're going to learn what tonight's topic is shortly, and the very special guest will join them. They will come to a final decision. There will be some arguing. So hell will be coming out shortly. And there's Mark. Hi, Mark. Just wave to everybody, Mark. Mark's going to be out in just a second. I was actually going to go outside and around to come over to this side and see these guys. But you yelled at me, so I might as well just walk. Okay. <laughs> so in just a moment, I'm going to bring out Hal and Mark, and they're going to introduce their very special guest. So uh, is everybody excited? <laughs> Thank you for coming out on this lovely, foggy night. I'm assuming you can't see anything outside right now. So let's just we're, – we're in a void where it's just us. It's just us that exists right now in this moment. Tonight, and I'm so happy that I'm together with everyone that I can't see in this theater because these lights are blinding me. So I'm assuming that it's full to the rafters. So, again, a big round of applause for the hosts of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Please welcome to the stage Mr. Mark Gagliardi. And Mr. Hal Lublin. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Hello, hello. Um, how many of you have seen us do a live We Got I This I already asked before? this while you were in you the did. bathroom. Oh, okay. I swear. Great. They all have, they love us. Thanks. Some of them found out about us here at Pensacon. Oh, groovy. So, um. I'm very quickly looking when, to see who suggested this topic. When we, you do, while you do that, well, when we do a live show, uh, we, uh, want to fool, you are a small but mighty crowd right here. And when we do a live show, we like to fool our podcast listeners into thinking we are playing the largest stadium in Pensacola, Florida. So, uh, we will, do we have our theme song? Nope. Okay, so we're just going to, we'll play, we'll plug the theme song in. Trust us, you guys, we have a great theme song. Um, and, uh, and we will start with just a giant, uproarious cheer of applause, and we'll fool everyone into thinking that there are hundreds of thousands of you. How does that sound? Great. On the count of three. We ready? We rolling? One, two, three. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Sci-fi or fantasy? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Energy! I know. Please sit down. I we can't. 
You know, it's crazy. The people at home can't see yeah. that we're in a 3,000-seat theater that is packed to the rafters. Yeah. They had to turn people away. Was- I know. Well, we had a spillover crowd out front. We're starting a little late because yep. we had to go out and talk to the spillover crowd for a little while first because they didn't get here in time to get one of the 3,000 seats to this. <laughs> I love you, too. Uh, we are here. I love me, too. I'm learning that through therapy. Uh, we full disclosure we both thought that this was happening tomorrow night yeah i talked a little bit about it but i want the people to hear it so we were like what topic will we do yeah also full disclosure it's cool we went to improv school yeah um (laughs) don't you have your bachelor's in improv i do in doing improv actually no uh when we went through the second city training center you get a certificate that is a, they went straight for, you have a master's degree in improvisation. Yeah. After like b- several eight week courses, I was like, oh, y'all can write whatever you want on this piece of paper. I'm a PhD of improvisation. <laughs> Pretty. Yeah, take your shirt off. <laughs> Pretty hilarious doctor. All right. We have a uh, special guest here with us. We are so thrilled. Yes. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Orlando Jones. What? Say hello to the 3,000 people. Wow. There must be 3,800 people in here. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, thank you for uh, for agreeing to come on here and, uh, and join us in this. Well, anytime I can come hang out with 3,000 people in a church, I want to right? be there. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, so thank you for having yes. me. Uh, there is a service starting very yeah. soon, so we've got to get out of here yeah, to have them to light the I'll candles. Make sure I don't say anything sacrilegious. Perfect. Yes. Welcome to Sundays in Houston. <laughs> Just 3,000 people packed into a church. So, Hal, what, yes. are we, what are we going to discuss today? Well, you know, we're at Pensacon, which is uh, both a science fiction and fantasy convention, among other things. So we decided uh, Tom Kinzer, one of our listeners, suggested science fiction or fantasy. Is that a question? That is the that question. Is, that is the question science for the next 45 minutes or so. Oh, yeah. Science fiction, science or, fiction or, fantasy. or fantasy. Yeah, yeah, but but I don't know how you answer that question. Sometimes it's both, isn't it? It is sometimes both. I think that's a good uh, good thing to bring up. I mean, is, American Gods is particularly science fiction and, and fantasy. Absolutely. It's, it's both, so. How many American Gods fans we got out here? Yeah. Right? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I got to call Neil Gaiman and go, listen, you need to choose, dude. This book is both, all right? We can't, can't, be, <laughs> yeah. can't be both. It has yeah, to be one one. Well, if they're, they're lumped together, like any place you go, whether it's, uh, uh, Netflix, Netflix or a bookstore, science fiction and fantasy are always together. Like there, but there, there are differences. Star Trek is very clearly science fiction. Absolutely. Not Lord fantasy. Of, Lord of the Rings very clearly fantasy. Absolutely. Uh, the Xanth, uh, novels by Piers Anthony. Mm-hmm. Also very clearly fantasy, which I loved. And then as I got older, I realized, oh, he's just a horny old man. Writing fantasy books. Yeah. Have not gone back to them. It's the Canterbury Tales re- revisited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a contest tonight. Chaucer. Who's your, all of you ladies line up for me. We're in this bar. We'll get you drinks or whatever. Yeah, I'm not a part of this conversation. Canterbury Tales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be over here at yeah. the other end of the bar. Uh, so there are, but there are things like American Gods, Star Wars also kind of skirts both of them. What, what, Let's define first okay. what exactly is science fiction and what exactly fantasy is. Because I think even something like Star Wars, 
at a certain point you can say it is, it is either one or the other. I would say it's more fantasy using science fiction to mm-hmm. tell its story. Cause it's not really about the science of Star Wars. They're no. not like the, the Kyber crystal stuff came about way later and nobody really, even though Han and Chewie spend most of Empire trying to fix the Millennium Falcon. They're never, they never get into it like, and then we're going to fix the engine here and do no. this and that. It doesn't have the trekking nerdiness. It doesn't have the actual science as a basis for the storytelling, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that the, is that one of the big differences? The psi part of it? If you add an element of magic to a thing, then does it become fantasy at that point? Um, for, for me? Yeah. yeah. I, I would argue that, yeah, I mean, there's fact and then there's fiction, right? So right. I, I think, you know, you, you have to in some way base it on, on science as the basis for what you're altering, right? So if you, you can't just base it on nothing, that's fantasy, right? It's, right. it's just entirely made up. Yeah. You, well, you, how exactly does this time machine work? It just works. Yeah, dude, I, yeah. I, I did that movie, trust and believe. I had that discussion. The moment, I was like, listen, there was a weird part in, in, in time machine, if you've ever seen the movie, mm-hmm. where, uh, Guy Pierce's wife dies, right? But when you see her get hit by the car in the movie, it's the funniest scene in the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> because the car hits her so fast, it's like one of those look, whoop, bam, and yeah, she's dead. Sure. So when we were testing the movie, that moment happened and the entire audience fell out laughing. Like, audience. <laughs> <laughs> the wife is dead. And then he's depressed that his wife died yeah. and is trying to save her. And I'm like, that's to me where the line is, right? Right. It's like the death should have been tragic, but the way they rendered it, they made it comedy. Right. So it moved into this fantasy and took you away from the core science fiction of Time Machine because they destroyed it by, you know, sort of turning it into a comedy moment, which should have been a heartfelt moment. Right. Now, as an actor in uh, in a science fiction work, do you generally ask, are you more of a guy that asks questions about that kind of stuff? Like, uh, how exactly does this work? Or are you like, you know what? It's all in the script, what they've given me. I don't have to worry about this. Because I imagine something like the time machine, a space-time continuum uh, conversation <laughs> would happen on set all the time. Or maybe I'm just the kind of nerd that <laughs> no, would yeah, yeah, want to yeah. constantly just talk You're about how time works. living in a fantasy. No, they don't yeah. want to <laughs> <laughs> talk no, to No, I'm you. living in a science fiction. Oh, oh, yeah. Fair enough, yes. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, in, in that realm, I think, you know, you're so focused on shooting. There's so many people on set. There's, right. You know, in a movie like that, there's 400 people standing around. Yeah. And they're not trying to hang out with you, you know? <laughs> they're like, get this shot done so we can move yeah. on to the you're next thing. You're on hour number 16 of the <laughs> exactly. day. And you're like... Um, actually, <laughs> if uh, I was in, yeah. yeah, my character's motivation, um, <laughs> I don't feel as the compendium of human knowledge that I would have that particular piece of knowledge is not something you should say. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because okay. what you will get back is we need, we're losing light. Yeah. We yeah. Gotta yeah. Get hurry up, shot. dude. Yeah. Hurry up. Hurry up. But, uh, you know, on American Gods, I think we, we have a lot of those conversations and, mm-hmm. and the conversations are frankly more character based right. and less, uh, theoretical, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. really how does this character fit into what's going on? Mm-hmm. What is this character hiding or attempting to accomplish or, or what have you? And, and it's, it's sort of focused on that mm-hmm. and the other components of it are sort of lesser important. Right. Um, um, I mean, even for gods, if you really look at it, Nancy is moving through time because he is on a, a slave ship mm-hmm. uh, when you meet him during a period of time that he couldn't have existed. He's not even dressed for that period of time. Right. So how does he move through time was not a discussion that they had, but it was a discussion that I had with myself. Right. Yeah. I was like, how did he get here? Like, how did this happen? This person prays and then he shows up. So what's the mythology? That made him show up is that mythology 
science fiction or right. is that mythology mm-hmm. fantasy? Right. And do you share this with, I mean, do you share this with the other actors and the director and the team, or is this something that's strictly for you to know what's going it's on? It's mostly me and Jesus just yeah. hanging out, talking to each other. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the most American of the Americans. Exactly. The most American. Uh, I, I always feel like that conversation, um, with Brian Fuller and Michael Green, we certainly, you know, talked a lot about those, mm-hmm. those aspects of it. But when you're in the process of shooting it, man, you know, yeah. you're in the belly of the beast. There's no chit chat. Yeah, you're, you're doing, and at that point, you know, it's a, it's a 15 page speech. So nobody was trying to chat with me. It was 105 degrees outside. The air condition was broken on the Oof. set. Oof. So at yeah. that time, the focus was literally, I run from my trailer and I do a take and then I run back to my trailer to stop from sweating through my outfit. Oof. So that was pretty much that was this monologue much. is really fast <laughs> yeah. in the final product. Why is he doing it so fast? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh that that's you know, the the contingencies of the day tend to take precedent. Right. And hopefully you have a you know creative team that's talked to you about that before. But a lot of times actors get thrown to the wolves because they kinda ask you to figure that out on your own. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah, they don't have time. You need to have done this already because we're. Yeah, that costs us thousands of dollars to well, do. Well, you know, we don't. Get, like, I put it to you this way: it, it's always like, who I love Daniel Day Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm always amazed by when I hear him talk about his work because he's like, you know, I spent two years studying cobbling, and then after yeah. that, <laughs> I'm like, they let you, they paid you for two years yeah. just <laughs> just to study cobbling, and <laughs> now they you wrote me these pages this morning. I'm, I'm like, what? Are you, exactly right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm like, hey, we we got this. Uh, what time is it? At two o'clock? Okay, we got this at one fifty eight. Um, yeah. <laughs> They gave you two years of prep. They gave us two minutes. So uh, you you often don't have that that sort of luxury, and 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 most actors don't don't get that luxury. So you're you're trying to do obviously your your best work. Uh, American Gods is not a, a situation like that. We obviously had some time, mm-hmm. but in many cases, you know, you just don't. You're you're in the machine and you're moving down the road. So that's how it works. I'm I'm kind of curious, just sort of what all of our backgrounds are with sci-fi and fiction. Just growing up, because sure. you know, my dad is as fans. Yeah, of, my dad's yeah. way into both science fiction and and fantasy, which right. is something I inherited from him. But I would I would put him more in the sci-fi spectrum, mm-hmm. just because of when he grew up was during the '60s, mm-hmm. where it was more of Star Trek and and a lot of trashy. I mean, they're trashy <laughs> fantasy and science fiction. But but Asimov, Ray Bradbury, you know, those things that are that are way more planted in. Things that that where the scientific rules of the world are way more important than like the planet Zarlac is where the dragon lives <laughs> and his fire will one day bring warmth to our people. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I to go, our people, our people, yes. <laughs> uh, I definitely am more. I, I I enjoy sci-fi more, but I think I went more towards fantasy. I played D and D. I like that role-playing world. I like being immersed in something. That's so fantastical that it feels like it could never actually happen. And that I think is the, yeah. the, the joy of fantasy is it's a complete escape rather than science fiction being, you know, Star Trek, not only it showed us what the future might be like mm-hmm. and, and, and it inspired a generation of scientists to create things mm-hmm. like cell phones that look like communicators to work on, you know, how can we make these, these theoretical things a reality? Mm-hmm. So. That, that's sort of my – that's sort of where I'm coming from for this. So you see Star Trek though as fantasy. I see it as – I see it as science fiction. I see it as a picture of what the future might be. It, it is possible yes, these things could happen. But as science fiction. But it's science fiction, yes. Yeah, because I'm a I'm, – I think I'm probably more science fiction than I am fantasy because okay. I like 
I, I think there's something interesting about basing it on the actual rules and evolving from there rather than just, you know, making up the planet Zorlac, right. you know, mm-hmm. and the pockmarked dragon. They ate the orange ball in the sky. Like, okay, that's great, but like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, right. <laughs> so I, I think I, I enjoy the basis. And I think primarily because I think a lot of what science fiction speaks to with me is it talks about obviously issues and elements of society that we are still grappling with today. And, you know, the ideas of representation and, and, uh, I think are still very much a part of the science fiction world. And they're yes. able to talk about it in a way that isn't divisive, um, and isn't finger pointing. It's more of just sort of looking at what the rules, you know, right. more or less should be. So I think I'm more attracted to that than I am fantasy, but mm-hmm. you know, it seems like science fiction, uh, exist. Science fiction knows that it is a work of fiction that exists within the realm of our world and is being done for a reason other than escape. Fantasy but, feels like, like fantasy films and, and stories. And I, I would put, you know, Harry Potter and, uh, Star Wars and, uh, Lord of the Rings and all these. These to me are, yeah, there are parallels to real life and to, uh, you know, humanity, but, it feels like those are a thing that you escape and go and watch a really like a really great science fiction work, something like Black Mirror or some of these things that look at the world. I think science fiction has a greater responsibility to look at the world and say, like you're saying, uh, how do we make it better? I mean, good science fiction. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Going, yeah. Going back to Orwell, even like those, these are 1984. This is looking at what the world could be like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the altered carbon, I, I think I enjoyed. For that reason, right? Yeah. It's, it's science fiction, that component of, of science fiction. It annoys me, however, that people mix them together, though. I'm like, that's just ridiculous. For science fiction and fantasy? Yeah, I mean, when they are mixed together, right. like in Gods, that's one thing, but just the mixing of them, just because you're some marketing jackass that don't know the difference, so you... Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, throw them all together. I mean, it's comic books. What are yeah. you talking about? Science and religion teaming up. That yeah. nothing's ever gone wrong no, when that I, happened, I, right? I don't see that working out yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I like when I, when I watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they try to ground everything in science. Even even the world of Thor, the cosmic, uh, or Doctor Strange, the more mystic stuff. Yeah. They try to go. This is science that we don't know yet and these people have figured out how to harness it rather than yes and that's annoying a bit because it's not science it's it's mythology right is what it is and it's culture and mythology and how that mythology and culture has evolved and how it's evolving now is what i like what i hate is that they're trying to actually make me think that this is science when i already know this isn't science in the first place and don't confuse science and mythology like why did the mythology exist is a, a more interesting component to look at mm. to me than yep. trying to convince me that this is really science. Like, come on, dude, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's just an insult to my nerdiness. You know what I mean? Like, I, I agree. You know what I mean? I'm a real mm. deal nerd. Like, I can't help it. <laughs> what is your, what, what, what is your, uh, what is your nerd, uh, your favorite nerddoms? Like, what, what nerddoms did you come up in? What do you like now? Oh, dude, you got time for this madness? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think I, I, I tend to like, uh, let me, let me do it backwards. So, mm-hmm. um, like I, I'm the captain of the Jelovany ship in the X-Files fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm captain of the Elicity ship in the Arrow fandom, captain of the Destiel ship and the Supernatural fandom, captain of the Ickaby ship and the Sleepy Hollow fandom, uh, clone club forever. I'm an, I'm, you know, I'm a fandom nerd. So. Uh, I think what I enjoy about all those different pieces, I, I, I really like the slash that often gets written. I really enjoy 
that fans were able to take those characters and not have to be beholden to the canon of the way that this group of people saw it mm -hmm. and that that canon can be shifted and merged to approach talk about and shine a light on people that often don't get talked about right because mm -hmm. when we talk about these issues it's always black and white and male and female as if that's really the breakdowns of who we are it's i think more complex than that so a lot of my fun is with west allen and the flash and all of that in fandom is because there are little elements there that i think represent things that are being overlooked right yeah if we want to go back to the beginning i think it sort of is how i started like i remember my mom saying to me uh uh, do you want to go see Star Wars? And I was like, lady, that's the lamest name for a movie I've ever heard. I'm not going to see Star Wars. I like that you call your mom lady. Yeah, like lady. Yeah. <laughs> listen, whenever, lady. Listen, lady. Yeah. Whenever, whenever there's something she doesn't want, I don't want to do, she's like, I'm going to take you to see Star Wars, baby. You're going to love it. I was like, look here, lady. Uh, <laughs> where the hell you came from with this stupidness, but I'm not going to see no movie came Star Wars. And she, so I was really against it because I thought the title was lame. So my mother took me to 291 Pleasantburg Drive, the Cinema 8. I will never forget it. Uh, it had velvet walls. It had maroon velvet walls. And mm -hmm. I was like running my fingers along the walls, mumbling to myself, like, I hope a thousand trillion million elephants come and trample this lady to death because I did not <laughs> want to see this stupid movie. And by the time Star Wars was over, I was pretty much on my seat like, I need a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the force, mom. I feel the force. Like I was, I was in. Yeah. And when I saw Billy D. Williams, it was like I had never seen myself. Yeah. In that world before. So yeah. it, for me, it was transformative at that. I was like, wow. I lost my mind. So, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about any of the politics of the way we talk about things now. I was just a little kid looking up, seeing something that I connected to and that made me want to go do that, right? So I see myself as a 14-year-old fangirl because that's really what I am. That's great. I, I had all the squeeze. I had all the feels. That's actually who I am, right? So I'm not – I don't know what it means to be like a celebrity. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm still the 14-year-old fangirl I always was. Right. So I can't pull those things apart. Mm -hmm. And I look at what I love – still like that person right so i've chosen all those different fandoms because a lot of those fandoms get made fun of people are always going jillian and, and david are never going to be together why are you and i'm like it's not about that stupid <laughs> <laughs> it's not about that it's, we get to choose we get to choose yeah. you know because i got to choose right it, at that moment as a kid i got to make that choice and it was an important choice for me i think as a young person mm -hmm. to to be able to do that so my fun in fandom and also in science fiction and fantasy is a about circling that. I think it's how I started. Right. I don't know how to pull that apart. So I just kind of <laughs> left it where it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tend to stay there. So uh, that's my fun a, a, a lot of times with uh, stuff that people crap on because they say the CW shows are crap. I'm like, okay. You know, and American Gods is high art. Okay. You can believe that if you want to. Right. But I see it more like this speaks to me for this reason. This speaks to me for that reason. And I don't, you know, I don't need you to get why I'm an erper. I don't. Right. But I love Winona Earp. I don't mm -hmm. need you to have to figure it out. You know what I mean? So I think I like the fact that, you know, we as fans can can make the rules up as we want and we kind of get the middle finger of the machine a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like the middle finger of the machine a lot. Uh, sure. Because <laughs> I think that's what it means to be an artist on a certain level is yeah. is not to conform to uh, to all of that. So, uh, you know, I, I'll fight about all that stuff all day long, but I, I think that's if that answers your question, I feel like that's yeah. kind of how I view it. Does that make sense? Uh -huh. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you bring up a really good point of representation. Uh, Mark and I are both part of a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale, 
which is one of my favorite Nike uh, podcasts. There you go. That's where I know you guys from. Well, there you go. There you go. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, if we're being totally honest, I actually hit you up on Twitter and I was like, I want to be on Night Vale. And y'all were like, cool. And then I never heard from you. We don't make the decisions. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying? Jeffrey, Joseph, this is on you. Yeah. But you know what, what I think is great about that show and I've, I started hosting a podcast for them called Good Morning Night Vale co-hosting mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where we sort of go through and talk about it and one of the things that what happened to the 3,000 people that was a smattering of applause yeah. what? thank you sorry I, now you no, I appreciate that no, one of the things that strikes me ab- about that show is that it w- one of the things that helped it hit such a large audience is is the fact that it embraced representation not in a way that was like look at all the people we're including it's like why wouldn't you have these different characters. Why wouldn't you have a gay character or a trans character or a person of color? Like these are all the people in the world. And I think fantasy has a huge represent- representation problem because it's almost always like, here are some white people in a castle and orcs <laughs> and orcs, white people and orcs. <laughs> maybe we'll have a, maybe we'll have a person of color play an orc for us. <laughs> we'll put them behind makeup. You'll know from the voice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by my bushy red beard. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is like every book cover you see looks like it's just, it's white people. It's white people, white people, white people. And that is fantasy. Look, on behalf of white people, I'm getting nervous up here. I just take it easy on white people. As the, as the duly appointed (laughs) spokesperson for all white people, I'm here to tell you that you have a problem. That is, that is a huge problem with, like, if you make Lord of the Rings, they don't all have to be white. I, listen, I would agree with you, but I think what's worse, to me, it's, it's less about the color element. It's like, disabled individuals Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. normal. Yes. They represent 20% of the population. Yeah. Yet, literally, we hire able-bodied actors to play disabled roles and then give the able-bodied actor an award for pretending to be disabled as if there are no disabled actors that could carry off that role and bring a truth to it, a joy to it that we don't expect, right? right. Because it's, it's, your able-bodied version of disabled, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where That's, it's all about where the whole point is being disabled. Right. If you've been disabled your whole life, your whole point is, I'm going to play a funny character well, or you, I'm going to do you whatever. You have more might... insight into what yeah. it is. You actually know what it is. This person actually doesn't know right. yeah. <laughs> what it is. That's that's blackface by and large, right? That That is yeah. – but that's 20% of the population and we, we're still talking about – White people to a certain degree. I'm like, what about disabled people? Like, right. there, there are so many other groups that yeah. are lost and that are, aren't being talked about in the conversation because the storyteller isn't seeing the world through the eyes of that character. The storyteller is seeing the world mm-hmm. through this able-bodied, normal lens. And I think that's, to me, what's, what's daunting and what's messed up. So there's right. an inherent judgment uh, or an opinion uh, about what's going on. And, and for me, that's... That's really what's unfortunate. I wish that we could just move past the the sexuality, the gender, and the race of it all so that we could get down into the humanity of it all. That would be more interesting. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And that feels... That feels like something that science fiction has an advantage in going back yes. years. I mean, looking at the original Star Trek. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you've got... 
the you the story of uh, you've heard the Dr. King story about uh, what was her name? Uhura Nichelle Nichols. Nichelle Nichols. Mm-hmm. When she was going to leave the show to go to broad to go do a play on Broadway, mm-hmm. and he cornered her and was like, "You cannot leave this show. Right. You have to stay on Star Trek." And if Dr. King, who is going to have his own holiday, uh, tells me to stay on a television show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay on that television show. Um, but that feels like a science fiction thing. Fantasy to me, like you were saying before, it's because it's, it deals in non-humans and non, um, non-fact based things. And I will say though, another thing that, that, uh, fantasy has going for it, uh, that I think is on the plus side is, um, for this whole genre, this science fiction and fantasy genre, imagination is a huge part of it. And uh, one thing that I think fantasy work has going for it over science fiction work is an unbounded imagination. Mm-hmm. You can absolutely start with a blank page. And we were making fun of it before that it's like, well, how exactly does this work? Doesn't matter. Get on the dragon. But there's something fun about doesn't matter. Get on the dragon. When, when it's constructed well, right? When right. you, when, when, when a world's created. When the world is created sense. well, right. When they do, you know, a, a not so great version of it, then it, it feels like. Right. You got short shrift, right? It, it feels like they're just trying to capitalize on something else that was a success. Right. You know? So what is the perfect version of fantasy? Because I'm curious if you took like this is the perfect representation of fantasy in media. It could be a film, television series. It could be a book. Is there something that pops into your head right away when I say fantasy? Naked. Everybody should be naked. That yep. Right. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's just be, cherubs. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Just, just, just nakedness would be kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think it would be awesome for fantasy because then you would have to actually imagine that they had clothes on. There you go. <laughs> what? It'd be awesome. You're walking around. You got no clothes on. And they'd be like, "What's going on right now?" You're like, "They're yeah. naked." You need to imagine these costumes. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> this is fantasy, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's eight-year-old me, but that sure. literally, that's what I keep thinking. The but 14-year-old you is like, quiet, Star Wars is starting. Look, look it's, it's like watch- Feel the velvet. <laughs> Feel the velvet. Oh. <laughs> hey, Listen. lady, when's this movie start? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, lady, look, my, I, I love Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it has, and I, we're in a church, so I'm going to try to say this as nice as I can. It has the perfect titties to beheadings ratio. <laughs> Right? Sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. As soon as you get bored, they kill somebody. They cut his head. Ooh, titties. Oh, they kill somebody. Ooh, titties. Oh, they kill somebody. Ooh, penis. 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 So I feel like that's how I watch it. Like, squirrel, 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 titty, squirrel. It's just... It's, that was, those were those were lines I don't remember from Up. That, no, that yeah. dog just that, turning yeah. away. Yeah, just squirrel, <laughs> squirrel. I, I do the dog. I just oh, the breast titties, titties. Did <laughs> I watch a Game of Thrones? It's amazing. Oh, oh that person got beheading. Um, <laughs> but they they seem to have it on a clock, like every couple of minutes. Yeah. Look, that, it's not TV. Happens. It's HBO. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, hey, it's like the fountain hey. of the Bellagio. It's timed perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Is that where Excalibur failed? <laughs> the movie Excalibur. I, they I, didn't quite have no titties. No, 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 no beheading. And it was also like, what if exactly. what if the whole Arthurian legend was in soft focus? If you've never seen Excalibur, you will. 
You will think somebody rubbed Vaseline over your eyes. <laughs> it's all focused. You'll be like, is Excalibur the one with Richard what? Gere? No, that's First Night. That's First Night. No, that's yeah. First Night. This first is Patrick night is Stewart. Richard Gere and, yeah. But you're like, is this, like, is this Zsa Zsa Gabor in this movie somewhere and I missed it? Is this the dramatic scene in us? Is somebody dying in a soap opera just near, like right off of frame? It's, uh, it's That's interesting awesome. that you mention that you mention um, uh, Arthurian legend because uh, you know you say what's like the ideal fantasy. Uh, if you look at fantasy, for me, it's like I think it's indistinguishable from mythology. A lot of times, like a great fantasy is going to need to have created a mythology. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I guess like for me, the ideal version of a fantasy is like. The hero's quest with plug in any mythology you want, whether it's the uh, the overnight trip when you die in ancient Egypt uh, and all the gods in the boat, or if it or if you know uh, the the pantheon of uh, the Greek gods and uh, which it, interesting that you know uh, American gods is a perfect sort of uh, yeah I know it's like you're describing Neil right. Gaiman's work <laughs> yeah but it is, he like, does the perfect thing the Neil Gaiman that yeah, makes sense. mythology is the perfect form of fantasy and I think. I, I agree. I, I, it's, it's fantasy, but it's based on something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, right. and I think it's, 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 it's rooted in sort of the, the, the culture of the time and the beliefs of the time and where those beliefs sprang from. I think right. it's a, obviously an interesting way to look at, you know, uh, fantasy and mythology, but you know, I, I, the perfect, like that's above my pay grade, please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it seems to me like, uh, science fiction, uh, is focused on the what and fantasy is focused on the why. Does that make sense? I think that's fair. Okay. That, that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if we're going to smart, pick one of the t- Isn't he smart? I am flying by the seat you, of my pants. smart. He's pretty, too. He's handsome, ain't he? You should see him with a beard. Really? Listen, yeah. could you take your shirt off? Smoke show. <laughs> what's the, yeah, what's the right? deal with that shirt? Yeah. Where are we know what the show needs. Well, look, if I'm going to show my titties, someone's going to have to get beheaded. <laughs> wow. First of all, sir, we are in a church, and I'm totally offended by the fact that <laughs> yeah. you said that. I can't are we? Is this in fact this a, a church? House of the Le- it was. A, it was a at one point. It might still be. Wait, I mean, it is a church, is it not? It's Thank currently you very a much. church. They oh, there's a cross services. right there. Oh, there's a huge cross right behind me. Oh is that, wow! Is that why I'm, my back was? I'm burning? not going to hell. You see, you see what I'm doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm so glad I'm sitting here saying all this with a giant cross looking over I, my I shoulder. I what you were doing. Like yeah. Nosferatu. Why, it's just, why you think I was over here slapping my... I'm like, exactly. he's going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cross is right there. This fool just talking. That's I don't know it. if you I, noticed that cross has two eyes that are just like doing this at yeah. you the whole time. Hey, Jesus <laughs> been following you around the room like a painting this whole time. Like, mm, I'm Jewish. Mm. I've been on an express train since birth. <laughs> following me around like I'm, like I'm a, like a shady teenager in a store like at a CVS just watching is he gonna is he gonna take those Charleston chews we have to pay for those those cost us 30 cents a box we're flipping them for 120 this is how we stay alive that's what you'd go for if you were gonna rob a convenience store is a box of Charleston chews what year do you live in that's right I mean, you may as well have said now and laters and gobstoppers. Trials and trues and gobstoppers and now and laters. Yeah. Watch a commercial, Hal. They've made more candy. They have. They, they're they these have. two adorable M&Ms. Tell him. Tell him. He don't understand. <laughs> now everybody gather around. We're going to get these jujubes out of here. We're going to do it fast. You- I think- Mike and Ikes. Mike and I, I heard the word jujubes is offensive to Jews, so go easy right there. I'm just I right. can say it. It's okay if I say it. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> All right, you're right. I'm, I apologize to everybody. Quick, now hide these dots in your teeth. <laughs>
Can I help you with anything, sir? No, I'm okay. I'm just trying to get out of this store. Is the mo- I know this is what we're talking about, but the most grandma candy is good and plenty's, right? Because it's black licorice. Werther's original, I feel like, is the grandma candy. That's that the was candy grandma up. gives you. The candy grandma eats this is one she black hoards? licorice. Like, we ain't depression. got the same grandma, obviously. What yeah. kind of, wait, what kind of gra- candy does your grandmother have? Your grandma didn't give me no damn candy. <laughs> 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 I believe my grandma baked a cake and told me to shut up. Sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bake you this slice of cake, baby. You enjoy this slice of cake. Now, don't you make no mess because I will take that cake from you. Hear me? Okay, now sit down and shut up over there in that corner and make no mess with that damn cake. <laughs> I mean, sitting in the corner got you cake, though. Did you hear me arguing? Listen, They're right. Me, yeah. In my world, when a black lady tells you to do something, it's best just to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's best not to go trying to think for yourself. <laughs> it's best for you to follow the rules. Yeah. And then I found that you should just do that generally with women because they tend to be right. Because when all the blood gets engorged <laughs> in the other parts of our body, mm-hmm. we don't make the proper decisions. Yeah. I said that clean, Jesus. I said that clean. <laughs> I'm not going to hell. I'm not going. I think Jesus feels the same way about engorged as that he does about like, the it's, word. It's boys. a safe word, engorged. It's a total yeah, safe word. Safe word. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother would eat good and plenties, and the first time I had them, I was like, "Is this medicine?" It was that bad because black licorice is <laughs> black licorice is not tasty. Yeah, no. that's the depression. If the depression were a candy, that's the true. Great depression, it would be that. It'd be like, "This is all we had. We picked roots yeah. up from the ground and chewed on them, and we liked yeah, it." Yeah, that's right. Like, why you got to make the black licorice nasty? Like, what's that about? Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's why I was like, "Really? Why? Why are y'all giving me this? This uh, tastes like this is yeah." <laughs> my grandma. And I'm not saying that to anybody who you know who enjoys. I just, for me, it wasn't. Yeah. Right. The only thing my grandmother ever pulled out of her purse was insulin and cigarettes. And oh, wow. I think that's probably better than black licorice. <laughs> Wait. Did she? Insulin and cigarettes. Insulin can, and cigarettes. Can we just sidebar this science fiction yeah, fantasy thing please. to talk about your grandmama for a minute? Um, it's, she, she so had, she has a diabetic she had issue. Diabetes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had diabetes. And it was, it was always jarring because she'd just be sitting and talking. I'd be telling her about my day. And she's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 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 And yeah, working it off. Oh no. Well, so grandma, yeah, it was this ain't heroin, baby. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it was jarring to see. Oh, that's true, baby. Yeah. That is so, so true. At school to uh, <laughs> <laughs> Grandma, are you sure it's not heroin? Does insulin make your eyes roll back like that? You talk too much, baby. Go sit in the corner and eat that cake. Go eat that cake in the corner. <laughs> Did she now? The only image I have of your grandmother in my head is her injecting insulin into her body with a with a like mostly smoked cigarette just dangling. <laughs> no, up. she smoked the insulin. <laughs> oh wow! She injected the cigarette. Oh, ah. She used Juul, a yeah. new sponsor of vaping. Yeah. She used new Juul needle vapes. I saw. I was driving. Uh, <laughs> I was driving the other day, and somebody somebody on Sepulveda was vaping in their car, and I saw the cloud of smoke come out, and I thought their car was on fire. Like for, That was my first thought. Was like That's a lot of smoke. I'm about to see it explode. It's so much smoke. Is it one of those ones where they got like the brick, and they do the whole big cloud I, thing? I don't know. Those are the really weird, because they look like the same. Isn't there like a machine for cold sores that is the exact same thing? So I look at what? them, and I go, oh, they must be treating themselves. If you go to the CVS, Wait they a minute. have a thing. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. Orlando, you like thought you were going to be talking about science fiction and fantasy. 
I'm no, not crazy. He said machine for cold sores. <laughs> I, we need to go back here. What machine for cold sores? This is science about? fiction at its best. Okay, got you. Keep going. All right, now, now you got me. Yeah. Okay. The it's, cold sore machine. The cold sore machine. It's the same thing. It looks like a. It's Ron Popeil made that. Yeah, didn't Ron Because <laughs> because once once you get a cold sore, you just set it and forget it, and it right. just <laughs> fix that all up for you right there. <laughs> But vaping is gross. I <laughs> have you ever watched videos of competitive vaping? Did you know that that's a sport? What? It's like who can make the biggest cloud? This one looks like a dragon. I made a a ring and then I jumped through it what? and then blew. It's the most smoke. The only person what? who can make an amazing smoke cloud is Gandalf, and that's fantasy. And Snoop Dogg. And Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Snoop Dogg and Dogg is, is, that is fact. Snoop Lion is fact. Snoop yes. Lion is fact. <laughs> that is. Well, I've never heard of that. I thought white people had lost their mind with curling. Now they uh-uh. got competitive vaping. Yeah. Because they were in the parking lot in between curling <laughs> sessions. They're like, we should make this. Uh, yeah, we should be competing at this. <laughs> oh, wow. That's impressive. I don't get it. <laughs> but let's get back to uh, sci-fi versus fantasy. He makes so, the transition. So what do, what do we think are the criteria that we're looking at? If we're going to objectively pick one of these, they each have their elements. Uh, the, the imagination of fantasy, the, uh, the real world implications and, um, and better representation in science fiction, um, the escapism of Star Wars. What are, what are we looking at as the most important elements of this? The things that are going to pull one of these ahead of the other? I wonder if it isn't possible, and I only heard 10% of what you said because I was thinking of, uh, about just about other say. things. Sure. No, wow. I, no, I think you, I, I'm sitting there thinking, well, what if, is it most entertaining? Is it most based in fact? That's science fiction. Most entertaining. You can pick one from each that you think is good. So it's tough to nail down the criteria that, that says science fiction will win or fantasy will win. I wonder if one of these, while they both have a place in the world, I wonder if one of them is sort of, past its its expiration date a little bit fantasy. in terms of yeah i wonder if so if fantasy is born out of mythology and mythology was our way of explaining how the world worked before we understood it mm-hmm. so the sun instead of it being the star around which all the planets rotate that's apollo in his chariot in his fiery chariot right. riding across the sky every day that is a great story mm-hmm. i'm interested in a story i'm more interested in a story about about the fiery chariot guy, chariot guy who rides across the sky mm-hmm. than I am in the actual truth of the of of the solar system. However, once you figure that out, then you go, what would it be like to travel to another planet? What mm-hmm. technology would that involve? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what what might we find there? I think you can add something like Aliens or Alien. Alien is more of a horror movie. I think Aliens is a little bit more sci-fi action. That yeah. that says all right. We, sci-fi action horror. Yeah, sci-fi action mm-hmm. horror. There's no way we're alone in this universe. There have to be other races of aliens. And they could be whatever we might imagine. So what would it be like if we lived in a future where we had the science to go to go visit these other planets? And, and just like modern day, corporations are in the way and they're just trying to make money. Right. Like that, that is a great way to extend a little bit of fantasy into science fiction. But it's still more – it's still more based in things that we've done that were a quest for truth than a like, well, let's explain it all away. Here's why there are, you know, here's why there are waves in the ocean. It's because this, the, the water god is angry. Right. You right. know, I, th- those, I think, I think we're at a time fundamentally where people are a little bit more concerned with a, with an understanding of how things work and a quest for the truth than, 
question than of the, the facts or the truth? Because that feels like a different the tr- thing. The truth of why the, the pursuit of science, mm-hmm. I think, has made. I, I think our our pursuit of science is a lot stronger now than our need to explain things away with fantasy. And I know there are a ton of political and social jokes that we can make here, mm-hmm. but the truth is, we do have. You know, we just had a, a rover on Mars that lasted years longer than we ever thought it would. Mm-hmm. You know, those quests are out there. We're trying to send people to that planet. We're trying to stretch further than we've ever stretched before. The Voyager probe is still out there sending messages. With that back. cool gold record. Yeah. And that, and as bad as Star Trek the motion picture is, that was the basis of that movie was yeah. what would happen if one of these, Absolutely. who knows what would happen if one of these Voyager probes went out and melded with something else and learned and grew. I mean, that, the, there, there is fantasy in science fiction already. Because we're imagining something that has not yet happened and what it might be. But the fact that it's grounded in things that are part of our everyday life, I think that that makes it much more appealing in the year 2019. Okay. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out, Hal, that when we came up with this show, the premise was, we're going to settle pointless arguments. And within a month, we've gone from what's the best muffin uh-huh. to did science supersede religion? <laughs> that That's an interesting discussion. I, look, this is my, my take on it is this. I, I, I think, um, I think technology has fundamentally changed storytelling. Mm. Um, and for me, that's primarily true because, um, there have only been um, two forms of communication in human history, you know, one to one, what you know, and one to many. That's kind of been it. Mm-hmm. Um, and about eleven years ago, this many to many communication started up, which was you know, Twitter or the news wall on Facebook. And suddenly, you know, a hundred people in a room, a thousand people in a room could actually all talk to each other in real time. That's never been been true before. Um, so for me, when I look at how that has changed the way humans communicate. It's, um, science fiction and fantasy pull into that, that story. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I look at, um, the fantasy part and I go, it's fun to dream up something, but then how do I take the thing that I dream up and base it in something that is plausible enough for, for us to believe as humans based on where we are right now that we could one day get there? And that becomes, for me, our knowledge of science. But I still think ultimately it's about, which character is telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always think of it more like a red ball on a table. And if the red ball rolls off the table and hits the ground and rolls under the sofa and five people are sitting in that room and one person is colorblind, then the ball wasn't red. So we can no longer agree on the color of the ball. And if one person was on their phone not paying attention, they never saw the ball on the table. They only saw the ball on the floor rolling to the sofa. So we can no longer agree that the ball was even on the table at all. And if someone didn't see the ball at all, then we can't even agree that there was a ball ever in the room. And I think in, in media now, we see all those different points of view, which is truthiness, right? The different right. perspectives on all the news and all the spin. But what fantasy does is to me, Build that narrative, build that story, and then give us enough facts for us to believe plausibly that it could have happened. Mm-hmm. And hopefully those facts encompass 
the world that we live in. And that's to me where they're, they're merged together in a way now that it's more difficult to pull them apart because right. we just have so much information. Like science fiction becomes a, a means for a fantasy story to get Correct. told exactly. and make it seem believable. Exactly. It becomes a, a tool that you use to make the lie more plausible, mm-hmm. right? And then the point of view of the character that's in the story becomes the point of view that allows the character to either have seen that red ball or to not believe it was there at all. And now you're on the quest to make this person believe, but it does frame the story in a way that you can merge those things together. When you look at how all those elements now factor into how we watch content. So I, I tend to see it as a storyteller from that point of view. That was a part of the challenge of American gods this year. So as I was acting in the show and writing on the show and producing the show, those are the components that you're doing because I'm, I'm using Neil Gaiman's novel as the basis for how we do do those things. Mm-hmm. But I still have to use the mythology of the god, this character's perspective, right. vis-a-vis Shadow's perspective, because he doesn't know what's going on. So I think that they kind of all wrapped up into each other at this point. But there, it's not like before where you could say, this thing's going to transport this person to this place, and you go, wow, that's crazy. That can never happen, because now there's so much technology. We go, well, that's plausible. Well, how would it work now? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, a, I think, a, it, it, the, the challenge for storytellers is for us to be better. Um, but you know, we're failing at that a lot, but we, we try, but I still think science fiction and fantasy are, are critically important to, to how humans tell stories and how kids dream and how, you know, things get made really. And, and I, I hope they never go away, but I don't, I don't know how you pull them apart, but I do think that there's a, a greater responsibility now to do your freaking homework. Um, and try and get it right. Cause we in a church and we can't say that word. Ain't that right? Jesus. Right. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, but, but that's my, ultimately that's my, my long winded take on it is, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I feel like that's what, you know, we spent the last eight months banging our head up against the wall thinking about, you can't take this out of science fiction. You can't take this out of fantasy. Mm -hmm. How does it come together? How is the audience going to see it? And how do we tell a story that, you know, that makes you feel that creates empathy? Well, I'm going to apologize then because, um, if you have spent the last several months, Perfectly melding science fiction and fantasy. Our job right now is to tear them apart from one another <laughs> and choose one ultimately as the victor. Science fiction. Science fiction. Science fiction. Wow. We did it. <laughs> People of the world. Never stop dreaming. Never stop imagining. Never stop making things up. Because the the kids who do that become the Orlando Joneses and the Mark Agliardis and the Hal Lublins of today. People who use play and use use their imaginations uh, not only to make a living but to create and play in entire worlds that other people can enjoy. Yeah, it's, and, and fans are doing it in a more interesting way because yes. they're also creating worlds and telling stories. So I, I don't, for me anyway, I don't think it's about the people that become you know quote whatever famous means for it. I think mm-hmm. it's about the fact that we all get to do it. We all get to tell those stories, and people get to now find those stories and react to them. And it's not about the celebrity anymore. It's yes. about the passion and the truth of the storyteller, and that's what's more important now uh, to me than, no, than the rest of this. You, I status. appreciate the. Direction. I, I agree with you. No, and it's true. You, you use your imagination all the time, whether it's uh, whether you are writing, producing, and starring in a television show or writing fiction based on it, taking ownership of things and Absolutely. imagining and expanding the world that makes an impact uh, on other people's lives and on your own. It keeps you sane. It keeps you healthy. It does. So you do need uh, fantasy 
and in your life. But to it's just impossible to pick against science fiction because we live in an age of science in an a, in a continuing age of reason that is that it certainly it's evolving there are speed bumps no doubt no doubt there are but we can't turn back from our overall quest for knowledge so to use that as a basis in our storytelling it's 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 essential and it it, it grounds us and it brings us in and then that allows us to suspend our disbelief for when uh when the fantasy elements appear. Yeah, that's where cosplay comes from. That's what's so magical about cons is that you can come to these places, you can fantasize about being these characters and shift those characters in your own way, but you're suddenly the storyteller. Like that's why I first started coming to cons, you know. Yeah. And I had a lucky break, right? I, I, I got to do this television show that I was a crazy fan of when I was a kid called Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And I, I met, you know, Sergio Aragones. Yeah. And, and, and he was like, you should come to Comic Con. I was like, what's that? And he took me down to San Diego and I could, we parked across the street. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we, we walked in the artist alley and he introduced me to a world and I was like, Ooh, uh, you know, lost my mind and, and have never, you know, sort of left this community, you know, really since, but critically important, right? And, and here he was doing Spy vs. Spy, which to him was a uh, fantasy. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Uh, 100%. But, but incredible. I, I feel, you know, blessed and grateful for that. Yeah. Well, we feel blessed and grateful to have you here yes. with oh. us today. It is. Thank you for being here. Science fiction asked and answered. Orlando, Orlando Jones. Jones. Um, Orlando, what do you want the people to know? Where can they find you? Uh, oh, you mean on t- I'm, I'm at the Orlando Jones on just about about everything. If you're you know lost, just go to orlandojones.com and you'll find me. Uh, where can they find you, Mark? Uh, well, you can find our show. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, of <laughs> <laughs> there are many more topics to discuss, so please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets. Check out the Maximum Fun subreddit or email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com. Come to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash We Got This Podcast. Talk about your favorite fantasy films your favorite science fiction stories let's share uh let's share art with one another i never say that about our facebook group which is the greatest place on the internet where people actually don't fight with one another they have fun conversations no flame wars it's great no flame wars what? because it's all arguing about like yeah. should you put mustard on a hamburger like that's what that's what we're talking about or there. apparently should that. science beat religion is what we got into <laughs> this time now you have something to talk about all you people who wanted us to talk about it we have done it but uh we want you to talk to us there thank you to producer ken plume in the back of the theater ken plume. there he is thank you to researcher kate mcmanus graphic designer uri kelman and qa engineer jen elba and thanks as always to our musicians jonathan dinerstein and mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively and thanks to you our listeners three thousand of whom i am looking at directly in the eye right now and to all you at home for Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And for Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. We got this. Expensive Thank guy. you. Thanks, Orlando. Have you ever watched a movie so bad you just needed to talk to somebody about it? Well, here at the Flop House, we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. We'll watch it and we'll talk it. We do the hard work. Featuring the beautiful vocal talents of Dan McCoy. Stuart Wellington. And me, America's Rascal, Elliot Kalin. New episodes every other Saturday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast, dude. Bye-bye. 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 
Welcome back, and thank you, Dan, for that scathing report. As you know, Max Fun Drive is coming up March 18th to March 29th, which has some folks pretty excited. But as families around the world get ready to celebrate this season of giving, community, and quality podcasts, some are wondering if it's just too much. Are they, though? They are. Some people are all for comedy and culture, but with 45 shows offering hundreds of hours of bonus content, plus all the Max Fun meetups taking place around the world, some people think it's too much. While other people think it sounds totally awesome. I took my granddaughter to the mall to get her picture taken, and the mall pod fairy was short. And I, you know, I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry, but everyone knows the pod fairy is tall. Well, I think we should just leave it there. <laughs> Until next time, here's the news you need to know. Max Fun Drive runs from March 18th through 29th. Be sure to listen to all of your favorite podcasts. I know I will. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.